proven tithing. And uh, tithing is a biblical principle. And what I want you to do is, now I don't know how your heart is on this matter, but I'm going to ask you a couple things before we get started. One is I'm going to ask you to have a good attitude, all right? Because all I'm going to do is share biblical principles with you today. So understand that if there's an issue, that, that the issue hopefully is not me. If you have an issue, you have an issue with the Word of God, and that means that you need to take it up with a higher source, all right? And so I'm, I'm just going to try to stay on track, stay focused. But <clears throat> the one thing that uh, as a pastor, a lot of times he realizes that it's a difficult thing sometimes to teach on giving. But the one thing I will tell you from my heart is this, is that God doesn't need your money. What God wants is your obedience. Let me say that again. God doesn't need your money. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills, the wealth in every mine. You know, God doesn't need our, our money. As a matter of fact, God gives to us everything that we have. What God wants to do is he wants to bless your life. And guess what? You have a pastor who loves you so much that he wants you to have a blessed life. How many of you want to be blessed? Yeah, I don't think there's a person in here that would say, nope, I, I don't want to have God bless my life. Every one of us does. So we've got to get a hold of this. Now, I got saved when I was 20 years old, and I had never heard, listen, I, I grew up in church, I never heard the word tithing. I, didn't, I, I was like, what is that? You can, you, can, you can ask a Catholic. I, 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 asked, I asked my wife when, when I first heard the word, I was like, now what is that? And when she explained to me what tithing was, I was like, are you serious? You give that much money to church? You know, and I, it was just a foreign concept to me. But yet, listen, it is a biblical principle that you find from the Old Testament to the New Testament and this morning, what I want to do is I want to take this passage that God led me to and try to help you understand. Now, here's the thing is I want you to keep your heart open. I want you to think about what we're talking about here today. And, and prayerfully, if you're on track already, then a lot of this will be just a good reminder to you, maybe a, a, a freshen up course. But if not, it may be something that is brand new to you. And here's what I hope is God will just show you what he showed me many years ago in this era of tithing. Now, look at the title of the lesson again, and I want you to see this, what God wants to prove, okay? This isn't what Pastor Keeley wants to prove, okay? And so we're going to stay with the Word of God. So if you're there in Malachi chapter number three, a couple verses here as we get started this morning, look at verse number seven. Even from the days of our fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Return unto me, and I will return unto you, saith the Lord of hosts. But ye said, Wherein shall we return? Will a man rob God? Yet, have ye, yet ye have robbed me. But ye say, Wherein have we robbed thee? In tithes and offerings? But notice, ye are cursed with a curse, for ye have robbed me, even this whole nation. Bring ye all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be meat in mine house. And prove me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts, if I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, that there shall not be room enough to receive it. And I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes, and he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. And all nations shall call you blessed, 
for ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Now, can you imagine, listen, you think about the splendors of heaven. And here's what God says. He's saying to us, if I could paraphrase, I have so many things that I want to give to you. As a matter of fact, I want to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much so that you can't even receive it all. Now, what is hindering God from opening up the windows of heaven? Can somebody tell me? Us trusting in him, us being obedient, right? Folks, look, to me, it is something that is so simple and so clear, but it is something so very difficult for people to practice in their lives. And I want you to see this this morning. Now, the one thing when I look at the Word of God, because we're talking about it's God's Word, as I begin to study the Word of God, I find that simply it all begins with God, it all ends with God. The reality is, is that God has nothing that He has to prove to us, right? He is God. God can choose because, remember, God created this world out of nothing. There was nothing here. God created everything that was. Matter of fact, look what the Bible says, Genesis 1.1. The Bible begins with, in the beginning, God created. Uh, You go over to the New Testament, John 1.3. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. Now, you know what that means? That includes us. That includes all of our resources. That includes everything that you have and I have. God has made everything, and all things were made by Him. You know, you look around and you see uh, what, what I would call creation. You see the sky and the stars, and you see the sun, and you see birds and trees, and all of these types of things that man can't create. And you know what all of that is? It's just further evidence that there is a true, powerful, infinite God. Now, the one thing I see is this, is in the passage this morning, here's what God says to those in the Old Testament times, but God's given us his word, and God's word is profitable, even for us living in 2017. And here's what he says, prove me now. In other words, I want you to test me, to prove me, to try these principles that we're going to look at this morning from Malachi chapter number three. Now, I was telling Brother Flynn, I said, uh, this is my best Hebrew accent, but the word is bahan. Bahan is the word prove in Malachi chapter number three. And here's what the word means. It means to test or to investigate. One of the things that I've done every year as a pastor, and God put this on my heart years ago, is is when we have our annual missions conference, you see, you have to understand that everything that we have, everything belongs to the Lord, right? Amen. Amen? Now, giving to missions, which is what our missions conference will be about, everything about giving to missions You have to understand that if you give to missions, that's awesome. But the first fruits that God instructs us from the Word of God belongs to the Lord. That's called the tithe. So in other words, to give to missions but not 
to tithe is to rob from God. Are you with me this morning? It's a simple principle because remember, the first fruits, the tithe, the 10%, goes to the Lord. You say, well, what about missions? That is something that is beyond the tithe. Now, again, this is something years ago I was like, so wait a minute. God wants 10%. Now, remember, all of it's His. He just lets, he lets us keep 90. He only asks for 10%. That's a pretty good deal. Because I don't know how to explain it. 90% goes way farther than 100% when I'm robbing from God, if I can use the words out of Malachi chapter number 3. So it starts, now watch this, put on your thinking caps. This is called Sunday school, okay? So it starts with the tithe, 10%. But if we're going to give to missions... We give the 10% to the Lord, so if I made $500, I give $50 tithe for that week to the Lord. But if I want to be involved in missions giving, then I get that's beyond that $50, all right? Now, you say, well, I don't know how to do that. It, that's why it's called faith, all right? But I want you to get, get a hold of this because, again, this may be something new to you. When he is talking to these people, and look at it again in, in verse number 7, he says, even from the days of your, notice, your fathers, ye are gone away from my ordinances. Who's these people that he's talking to? He's talking about your fathers, the days of your fathers that ye have gone away. Who's he talking to? Well, when you look at the passage, here's what he's talking about, is these people that he's addressing here are honestly no different than most people that it could be even be some of us. Here's three simple thoughts, these people that he's talking to. First of all, they were rebellious. These people that he's talking to, they were rebellious people. Look what it says in verse number seven. Even from the days of your fathers, ye are gone away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Last time I checked, that's called rebellion, right? You know, look, folks, if God asks you to do something and you don't do them, how many of you would agree that's rebellion, Right? Now look, the, the world's real good about calling it something different. Like, watch this, alternate lifestyle. I mean, the world just keeps coming up with all these new tags, but you know what God calls it? Sin. That's what God calls it. That's plain and simple, it's just sin. So here's the thing is, they were rebellious. Well, how were they rebellious? Well, look at it again. They walked away from God. They were disobedient people their hearts, according to the word of God, were far from the Lord. Now, look what the Bible says in Matthew 15, 8, there in your notes. Here's what Jesus said in his day. He says that this people draweth nigh unto me with their what? With their mouth, but watch, and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. You ever heard this statement, give someone lip service? How many of you have heard that? Yeah, in other words, with their mouth, they're saying one thing, but in their heart, it's something totally different. See, these people that the Lord was addressing in Malachi chapter 3, they were rebellious. Look at the second thing about them, that's why he was addressing them. They were not only rebellious, they were blind. Go back to verse 7, look at it again. And in verse number 8, he said unto them, the Bible says, and ye said, here's what they said, wherein shall we return? In verse number 8, wherein have we robbed thee? I mean, in other words, they were blind to the fact they didn't realize, you know, this is the way some people are, is, is they just don't see 
things, and that's what we do a lot of times as human beings. You know what we do? We justify our lifestyle. So they were blind to the fact, uh, because of their rebellion, the Bible says that they had forgot about those ordinances that God had given to their forefathers. They weren't practicing those ordinances. They were blind even to the wickedness and the sinfulness that they were doing. And look here, all sin ultimately is against who? God, right? See, they, they couldn't see that. So they were rebellious, they were blind. Look at the third thing he mentions about them is they were cursed. He says in verse number nine, you're cursed with a curse. Now you know what that means is this, that they were under the judgment of God. I don't know about you, but I never liked it when I heard these words from my mom. You wait till your father gets home. I hated those words. Folks, one day we will stand before God, but I'll tell you this, as a Christian in this life, I do not want to be under the judgment hand of God. And that's the way these people were. They were cursed with a curse. Here's what it means. It literally means that they were set for destruction. And here's why. Because God curses. Now listen, this isn't my words. God curses those who rob from him of his tithes and offerings. You know why? Because they are his tithes. And if we withhold them, then you know what we're doing? We're robbing from who? From God. It's getting real quiet in here, all right? I'm just giving you Bible this morning now, but we may not like it, but it's still Bible, right? I'm just trying to help you this morning. How many of you want to be blessed? Raise your hands. That's what I thought. Okay, I, I think I'm in the right crowd this morning. But here's what God does. Now watch. He realizes that they're rebellious. He realizes they're blind. He realizes they're cursed. They're under the judgment hand of God. But watch, here's what happens in this passage. He challenges these people, and here's what he is saying to them. He's going, look, you need to take the first step. And if you take the first step, I will meet you there, and I will take things from there. Now, did you hear what I just said? See, you know, a lot of times, here's what we are. We're, here we are, we're in life, and God says, I want, you to, I want you to give me what is mine. God says, I want you to start tithing. And I remember thinking, that's like stepping off of this, and I, and I remember thinking, I can't do that. But I remember that day when I trusted God, and I took that step, and God met me there. God helped me to understand and God has blessed as a result of that. So here, look at the instructions that he gives to them. I want you to see the three simple instructions. The first one he, he gives them is what they were to bring. He says, bring ye all the tithes. How much of the tithes? All. Every last bit of it. You know why? Because the, here's what the Bible says in the Old Testament. The tithe is the Lord's, right? So bring ye all the tithes. Look at the second part of the instruction. He told them, not only what to bring, but where to bring it, into the storehouse. Anybody know where the storehouse is? It, yeah, it's not the bank, is it? It's the house of God, right? Uh, the Bible says in the New Testament, upon the first day of the week, that you are to lay by him in store, talking about the storehouse, or in the New Testament, the local New Testament church. So he tells them what to bring, all the tithes. He tells them where to bring it, into the storehouse. And here's the third thing. Why should they bring it? Look what it says, that there may be meat in mine house. You see, God has chosen to use that, 
that it might supply the needs of the ministry. And by the way, this isn't Bible Baptist Church ministry. This is the Lord's work. You with me? So God, God has a plan. God has a purpose. You know what we need to do if we want to be blessed as a church? We need to follow God's plan. That's all we need to do. It's that simple. But remember, many times the reason churches and Christians aren't blessed is because they're not following God's plan, because they're being rebellious, they're blind, and as a result of their rebellion and their blindness, they are cursed. And God says, I don't want you to be that way. I want to bless you. You're my children. Okay? Everybody with me so far? All right? I hope you're still my friend. Okay? Now, let's, let's go on, because I want you to see that as God continues to challenge them, God's trying to prove something to them when he says, prove me now. So what are the things that God wants to prove, not only to those in Malachi chapter 3, but what does God want to prove to us today in this area of tithing? Look at the first thing he wants to prove. And by the way, I, I love this because every point I'm about to give you, it all begins with two words. And I love these two words because God is saying them, and here's what he says. I will. I will. Let's say it. I will. Who's the I? God, right? Now watch this. If we do our part, then what does God say he'll do? Look at the first thing. God will pour you out a blessing. How many of you want a blessing again, right? God says, I'm, I'm going to pour. You know, I love that little statement. God's going to back up the truck and unload, right? God says, I want to pour you out a blessing. Look at a couple thoughts here about God blessing our lives. Look at verse number 10 again. He says, bringing all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be meat in mine house and prove me, test me, investigate me now herewith, saith the Lord of hosts. If I will not open you the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive it. You know, can you imagine, Brother Flynn? Hey, listen, folks, don't give any more offering. The safe's not big enough. We can't get anything else in it. You know, that's, that's what he says, that there's not room enough. So look at the first thing here, letter A. God controls the blessing. <laughs> look, listen to what he says. I will not open you the windows of heaven. It's God that opens the windows. God is the one who has his finger on the control to open the windows of heaven. Blessings don't depend on, on who you are. They depend on what you can do. And listen, every one of us, Every one of us needs to be a part of this because it's something that God has given to every believer. So look, God controls the blessing, letter B. God desires to bless everyone. Here's what it says again, and pour you out a blessing. God wants, I don't know who you are, I don't know what your background is, I don't know what you've gone through, but I'll tell you this, if you are a child of God, God wants to bless you. God wants to bless every one of us. And we need to see this. Look at Ephesians 3.20. Unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above what we can ask or think. You know, look, in our, in our finite minds, if we think about something and we think, boy, I, I'm thinking big. Can I tell you that God can think bigger than you can? Our minds, our little pea brains just cannot fathom what God wants to do if we would just obey the word of God. So he desires to bless everyone. Let her see, and I, I learned this a long time ago, we cannot outgive God. 
you and I, we cannot outgive God. Uh, look at what the Bible says in Luke 6, 38. Give, now watch this. Remember how I told you God says you do your part and I'll do the rest? Now watch this. Give and it shall be given unto you. Now listen, my motivation is not to give to get, but as I give, you know what happens? God blesses. Now, there's many ways God will bless. If I give a certain amount of money, it's not that God pours that same amount of money back. Here's a good example. Read the book of Job again. Anybody remember how many children he had? Ten, right? Anybody remember after his children died in the end of the book, how many children he had? Yeah, he had 20 if you count the 10, and then God gave him 10 more, right? Look, it's not always about money. God, God will give you health. God will give you favor with your boss. God will supply your need. There are so many ways that God can bless you. You cannot outgive God. I love the verses here. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over shall men give into your bosom. Look at this. God will use other people. We've had times where we've had stuff show up in the mail where my boss would, said, hey, look, uh, you know, Dane, uh, you know, I wanted to, I wanted to give you this because, because of this and this, or because things had gone well with the company. And the Bible says here that men will give into your bosom with the same measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. Look at Acts 20, 35. Remember the words of the Lord Jesus. And here's what he said. It is more blessed to what? Give than to receive. How many of you remember? Well, maybe it didn't happen this way. I grew up in, in an unsaved home, and for me, Christmas time was not like it is now. I mean, I really understand the full meaning of Christmas after I got saved, but when I was a kid and I was unsaved, Christmas was all about toys and things, you know, the excitement of Christmas. And you know, when I got saved and God gave me a wonderful wife and some children, Christmas totally became different for me. It wasn't about me getting, it was about me giving. And I get such satisfaction now out of giving to others instead of getting things. You guys know what I'm talking about? I don't know if you've, if you've made it to that point in your life, but listen, it's just something cool. Now, everybody likes a, a gift or something like that, but the reality is, is I think it's so much more of a blessing to give to people. And when you think about, look, I can't think of anything greater to do than to give to the Lord. There's not a greater person you can give to than to give to the Lord. And really all you're doing is giving back to him what already belongs to him. So look, you can't outgive God. So what, look, God says, look, if you, if you would just stop being rebellious, if you would just open your eyes instead of being blind, then I won't have to curse your life. You won't be under my judgment. He says, and here's what I want to do for you. I will open up the windows of heaven and I will pour you out a blessing. That's one thing that God wants to do. He wants us to prove him whether or not he will do that. And I will tell you this, God, not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. Everything, listen, everything that God has ever said that he would do he has done it. Everything. I can't, I can't say that about myself. I don't know anybody in this life that has kept every promise. But if God says, I will open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing, guess what's going to happen? God's going to open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. But look at the second thing. It doesn't stop there. 
Because the second thing is, is that God says, I will protect you. I will protect you. Look in your Bible there in chapter 3, verse number 11. And I will rebuke the devourer. Notice these three words, for your sakes. And he shall not destroy the first fruits of your ground, neither shall your vine cast her fruit before the time in the field, saith the Lord of hosts. It's amazing, the word devour in the Greek is IRS. I'm just kidding. Some of you are like, really? You know, the government, right? But how many of you think about that? You know, the devourer. It's like I work and they take 50% of my check, right? Yeah. You know, it's, it's a lot of times in life, it's like I do this and I do this, and it just seems like somebody's always taking. You know, to me, it's just amazing. You, any, you know, insurance, car insurance, health insurance, you have to fight, you know, the marketplace. It is such a mess. I just wish somebody would just, well, don't even get me started. But it, it's, just a, it's just a mess. And look, here's the one thing I would say is, if we just stay faithful to God and we do our part that God wants us to do, God says, not only will I pour you out a blessing, but he says, I'm going to protect you. How many of you like that God, almighty God, will protect you? I, look, I'm going to tell you, you can't find better security than that. You know, our house has got little signs out in the front, ADT, you know. Well, I'm glad for ADT, but I'd rather have G-O-D, you know. Here's the thing is, is we have to see that God, look at first letter A, God is more mindful of you than your source of income. God cares about you. God doesn't care about your income. He cares about you. Look what he says. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. You know what God is after? He's not after your money. You know, you start talking like this, if this was a a service, you know, it's always funny because you start teaching or preaching on money, and here's what people do. They start to position themselves on their seat to where they're sitting on their wallet. <laughs> Women kind of, they, they start zipping up and snapping their purses, pushing them up underneath of the chair so nobody can get near it, you know? But when I look at this, I think to myself how God's not after your money. You know what he's after? Your life. God wants you. Think about that this morning. He says, look, I, it's for your sakes, he says, that I want to do this. It's not about your money. And that's why so many times people look at Malachi 3 and they think, well, that's why I don't like that passage because it's all about money. It's not about money. It's about God blessing your life. I, I just, I love the fact that God, you know, look, there is, as it says right here, he says, I'm going to rebuke the devourer. God is interested in your heart more than anything in this world. But see, there is this devourer that we see in the Word of God that always wants to destroy the joy and the peace that we have in our lives. Look, look what it says in John 10, 10. The thief cometh not, but for to steal and to kill and destroy. You know, that's what Satan is. He's a thief, is he not? And he wants to, to take your joy, your happiness that you have. Now look, who gave you the joy that you have? Who gave it to you? God did, right? Now can the devil take something that God gave to you? No. They can take my house, they can take my money out of the bank, but they can't take my joy, right? 
You know, you, you think about it. God, I love the last part of John 10, 10. Here's what Jesus said. In spite of the devourer, he says, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. I like the fact that, look, yeah, there might be a devourer, but God says, for your sakes. He says, I care more about you than your income. Look at letter B. God is the fence of your life and your income. In other words, remember, he's going to protect you. I've seen a lot of people, and I look at, as I'm driving around the area here, and I see some people with their fencing. Maybe it's from the hurricane. I don't know, maybe just age. You see some people's fence, and, and a lot of times their fence is leaning. It's dilapidated. It's missing boards. And I'm thinking, what is that for? It's not going to protect anything. Anybody wants to get in there, they can get into that yard. But look what he says. He says, in, in, the, in the passage here, he shall not destroy the fruits of your ground. That devourer, look, look, I will protect you. I will hedge you about that this devourer, he's not even going to uh, destroy the fruits of your ground. No one has the power to destroy everything in you, even your life, without God's permission. Remember, again, go back to the passage of Job. Remember? How Satan came and he had this conversation with God. And he says, yeah, well, you know, your servant Job there, if you took your hand off of his life and God says, look, you can do, you can do this and this, but you cannot take Job's life. Do you know that the devil is on a, on a leash right now and he's only doing whatever God allows him to do? You just need to keep reminding yourself and that old stinking devil that every time, you know. God is allowing him. The Bible says there in Job 1.21, the Lord gave, the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. See, look, God is the fence of your life and your income. God will protect you. Let her see, God will make you a channel of blessing. God wants to work through you. That excites me. Look what it says in verse number 12. All the nations shall call you blessed, and ye shall be a delightsome land, saith the Lord of hosts. Folks, look, here's what you have to see as a Christian is people will see God in your life. They will see Christ in you. They will see God blessing your life, and they, can, they, they, they won't be able to explain it because many times they are unsaved people. They don't understand the relationship between our Heavenly Father and His children. But here's the thought is this, is that God will bless us so that we can be a blessing to others. That's what he wants us to do. He wants us to be a blessing to others. So what does God say? Look, he says, if you'll just obey, if you'll do what I ask you to do, you won't rebel, you won't walk about in blindness. He says, I won't have to curse you. He says, but I will pour you out a blessing. I will protect you. And then look at the third thing. We got to back up here in our passage I love this one. God will draw nearer to you. Sometimes here's what I think a lot of Christians feel like is God is so far out there in the distance. You really can't understand what God's trying to do in your life, what God wants. He's just something out there in the universe and we really can't. Do you know that's not the God of the Bible? Read Genesis. God created man and he placed him in the garden And God came to man in the cool of the day to spend time with him. James wrote it this way. He says, draw nigh to God and he will draw nigh to you. 
I, look, I hope that's the kind of relationship that you want to have with God, is you want Him to be near you. You want to get to know Him up close and personal. That He is your God. That He is your friend. That He is your Savior. A couple of thoughts here as I think about God drawing near to us. Look at letter A. God's forgiveness doesn't depend on how much sin that we've done. Look what it says. Go back to verse number 7. Here's what he says to them. Even from the days of your fathers, you're gone away. See, they had turned away from God. But listen, their turning away from God had been for a long period of time. I meet a lot of people and talk to them and hear a little bit about their life, their past. You know, we all have a past, do we not? And a lot of people talk about, here's what they'll say. But pastor, you don't understand what I've done. You don't understand where I've been. Well, I may not, but there's a God in heaven that understands. And, and, and again, look, God's forgiveness doesn't depend on how much sin. See, God's forgiveness can't be measured by our sins, but it's measured according to His riches in glory by Christ Jesus. God will forgive us, even if we have turned aside from Him. Look at letter B, God's love doesn't depend on what kind of sin you've done. It doesn't depend on the sin that we've had in our lives. Look again at verse number 7. Here's what he said to them. He says, you have walked away from mine ordinances and have not kept them. Somebody put it this way, God's love is not limited to our disobedience. One thing that I have discovered in my life, because I am one of God's children, is, is that because God loves me, you know what he has to do to me sometimes? He has to chasten me. The chastisement of God. That's not something that I relish in, but chastisement is caused by the love of God for His child. Look at Hebrews 12, 6, whom the Lord loveth. Anybody in here ever been chastened? Look here. Those of you that are like, <laughs> you can honestly say God loves you, don't you? Can't you? Because God, look, God will not let you sin successfully. That's what he was telling them in Malachi 3. You're rebellious, you're blind, you're cursed with a curse. I'm not going to let you continue in that. And he's saying, if you will turn from that, I will pour you out a blessing. I will protect you. I will draw nearer to you. His love is something, it reminds me of the prodigal son. Hey, remember what happened when that that rebellious son that couldn't see all how much his father loved him. And what did he do? He went out and wasted everything, did he not? And then remember, he came to himself. He was eating with the hogs. He says, boy, my father's servants have more than I do. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get my story down. I'm going to go home and tell my dad, and I'll just be one of my father's servants. And on his way back, he never even got to tell the story to his dad, did he? Because you know what he was met by? Open, loving arms of a father. That's exactly what God will do for us. If we've been rebellious, if we've been blind, wherein have we robbed Him? In tithes and offerings. See, it's not about money. God cares more about you. He cares about your heart than anything else in this world. And then look at letter C, God will bless us, and here's the crux of the whole lesson, if we obey Him. 
God will bless us if we obey him. Look what he says in verse 7. And if you underline things in your Bible, you ought to underline this statement. Return unto me. What's the rest of it? And I will return unto you. Let's say it together. Return unto me, and I will return unto you. Now look here. Look, look at me for a second. Who moved? Us or God? Yeah, because if you read the verse, God says, here I am. There you are. I haven't moved. You have. If you return unto me, I will return unto you. I'll be a God to you. I'll be your father. You see, when God says return unto me, here's what he wanted is he wants the nation of Israel to return to his ordinances, to his commands. And how about this? The tithe is the Lord's. What is God trying to prove? He's trying to prove that he's God. And what he has asked us to do, guess what? He wants us to do it. It's that simple. But many times the pride of self says, well, you know, look, and I, I've gotten away from the Lord. It's easy to backslide. It's difficult to return to the Lord. Can I remind you what Hosea said? Look at it. Come and let us return to the Lord, for he hath torn and he will hear us, heal us, and he has smitten and will bind us up. Judah was a people that had backslidden from the Lord. Yet what was God doing? Just like that prodigal son, his father, God was waiting lovingly and patiently for them to return. It's easy to return to the Lord when we come back to one whose love is everlasting. God loves us. As a matter of fact, you ever heard this verse? While we were yet sinners, right? God doesn't love the sin, but he loves us. God loves every one of us. Look at Psalm 103, verse 2. A couple verses just to encourage you is, look at this. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his what? Benefits. How about Psalm 68, 19? Blessed be the, the Lord who daily loadeth us with what? Benefits. Look at it. Daily loadeth us with benefits. And here's the key. Look at Deuteronomy eleven twenty six. Behold, I set before you this day... God says a blessing and a curse. Now watch what he says. A blessing if ye obey the commandments of the Lord, which I command you this day, and a curse if ye will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God. What's God trying to prove? God's trying to prove I love you. I want to pour, the wind, I want to pour out blessings from heaven. I want to protect you. I want to draw near to you. Look here. I believe God has proven his love toward us. You know what? It's time for us to prove our love for him. Well, how do we do that? By obeying him. By obeying him. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this morning, for the word of God. Pray that you'd bless these simple but important principles that we looked at this morning. And I pray that as your children, that we will experience you pouring out blessings that we cannot receive at all, and that, God, you will be able to protect us from anything in life and that you will be near to us. And the, the key condition to all of that is if we obey you and help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.